Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, Ricky Pride, and Joel, Ricky Merrimack, and Hampshire. Puma. Welcome, brother man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man, but like, you know, it's coming to the end. Like, now I'm starting to feel like you. Like, you know, we only have, you know, technically three games left. And like this weekend, like this past weekend, there were... You know, a couple of good games, and then there were a couple of duds. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm hoping we have a nice, good weekend of uh, of football. You know, NFC Championship game, AFC Championship game, and I'm excited to jump into this. But how are you doing today, Jay? Doing the good. captain of the ship. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing real good. Just you know, uh, enjoying life. Uh, we got a couple inches of snow coming through tonight in Columbus, Ohio. Um, people are already freaking out. I can already see like the the shelves at Walmart being dried up over two inches of snow. I've noticed as mm. we as society we're getting softer when it comes to the snow stuff. I don't know if it's just like we have like more access to content. Maybe like the weather, like uh, weather people are just like freaking us out for no reason. But I feel like mm-hmm. back in the day we could have handled two inches of snow and be fine. And nowadays, one like there's like two or three inches coming, everybody like freaks out. Like, oh my god, will you hear about the snow? Like, um, yeah, I heard about the snow, bro. It's gonna be two inches. Relax, all right. <laughs> we gotta get the bread and milk. Yeah, basically. we gotta get the bread and milk. Yeah, yeah. People just like freak out, don't they? Nowadays, I just, I just, you know, like not to be that old man, but like, I, like I bet you people in the '60s weren't caring about this stuff. They, they probably two inches was just like another day to them. You know what I'm saying? And now we over here are freaking out. You know, I just, I just think like whatever, like you know topic it is with the age we're in with the media technology and social media like i just feel like everything is heightened for no reason you feel me not mm-hmm. everything is like a like an epic level pro you know issue yep no but that's that's society today bro you know kind of a little fear mongering you know what i mean mm. got played into the fears yeah that's my hey uh, we saw you know i don't know if you saw like the doomsday clock it's now set to 90 seconds so you know i don't know People are going to think that, you know, the sky is going to start falling. So we got to enjoy the football while we have it, you know, for the 90 seconds before the doomsday clock strikes. Oh, well, did you see what I sent you guys this morning about how the Earth's core is basically stopped and now it's reversing? I saw this. It, yeah. And I, I immediately thought of the movie The Core, right, where they had to, like, take this thing, like this machine and go into the, the planet and, you know, reset the core with, like, nuclear weapons and all this stuff. And it was like. Maybe Hollywood's on to something. I'm not saying, like, you know, Hillary Swank is going to be the savior of society with uh, with the dude that played Two-Face in Batman uh, or The Dark Knight. But uh, I, I think we're getting pretty close. Who knows? Well, it's, it's so funny, Puma, that, like, this, this is what happens when you're unemployed, okay? Today, uh, like, when I woke <laughs> up in the morning, I saw this, right? And then from 9 until 11... For two hours, I studied up on the Earth's core and what it's made up of, okay? Like, I understand that there's a mantle, there's an outer core, there's an inner core. Like, I, I went through, like, two hours worth of research before I, like, got on with my day about, like, how the Earth's core is made up and why, like, there's a magnetic field. And what they think now is happening is that the inner core uh, and the outer core is basically, like, full of, like, this liquid. The outer core is, like, this molten lava that, like, kind of circulates and it pushes in the wrong the other direction of the inner core and that's where like the the core stopped and i'm thinking to myself i feel like that's like a big problem like i feel like we should be talking about this shouldn't we like like there's all kinds of stupid stuff out there but this is like a really legit issue and i haven't heard people about it oj the biggest issue plaguing society is whether or not government phones will have access to tiktok no 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 no. that's it no no the biggest even bigger than that, Puma, is those stupid M&M spokes candies going away. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> like, forget the Earth's core, Puma. Like, forget the magnetic field. Forget our, our atmosphere basically going up into space without this magnetic field. The spokes candy, Puma. we got to talk about that. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. This is, this is why society. we stick to football. This is why we talk about football, Puma. Yes, yes. I guess we should shut up and say hike now, huh? Let's go. AFC Championship game, baby. (laughs) AFC Championship game is here. We got the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. The big strolling out of this game, Patrick Mahomes hurt his ankle in the second quarter of the AFC Divisional game against the Jaguars. Looks like it was um, at a high ankle sprain. He went to the halftime, got shot up, came back out. Played not the best, not the worst, just middle of the pack. Um, and now all indications are he's going to play this week against the Bengals. So will that injury affect him, and who wins this game? 
I think it's going to, I definitely think it's going to affect him. I mean, you know, in the, in the heat of the moment and you're getting shot up with the, the happy medicine and tore it all and whatnot. I mean, Jay, I'm not going to lie. Like, you, you know, him and Tony Pollard pretty much had the same injury. Tony Pollard uh, fractured his tibia, uh, and a, a very similar tackle that I, I wouldn't be surprised if that got outlawed or, you know, in the NFL or treated as if it's like a horse collar type of deal. But similar tackle situation. Uh, Pollard fractures a, a fibia, I believe, or tibia, one of those bones in the in the lower leg. Uh, I'm kind of surprised Mahomes didn't fracture anything. Um, but you know, like I was saying, it's the heat of the moment, the heat of battle. He got shot up with the stuff. You know, Tony Romo hit the nail on the head in the Bills broadcast where he said, you know, yeah, you're going to be able to move that game you have the adrenaline going and you have all the stuff working for you but like the next couple of days like you're probably not going to be able to walk you're going to be on crutches you know and we saw that during the game where he was you know mobility wise he was compromised he wasn't able to push off that back foot and i understand he's got a howitzer of an arm but there were times where he was throwing the ball over the middle and he was missing his guy kelsey high you know sometimes the ball was a little low and i think with the Bengals, they're they've turned into a little bit of an opportunistic defense down the stretch while they became the hottest team in the nfl right now and i think they may be able to take advantage of that especially with the pass rush with trey hendrickson and company uh being able to potentially get home and you know Jay, it's, it's Joe Burrow on the other side. Like, the dude Joe just cool. oozes confidence. Joe Cool, Joe Burr. Like, he's just going to will these guys, you know, to, to victory. And, you know, you look at the spread here. The game opened as uh, Chiefs, depending on what book you were looking at, Chiefs minus one and a half to Chiefs minus two and a half. And immediately after the end of the Bills game, everybody started piling on the Bengals and that spread is flipped where the Bengals are now favored minus one and a half. Uh, the money line on DraftKings, you're looking at uh, Bengals minus 130. So like, you know, they are considered heavy favorites right now, but I just, I, I, I have a hard time fading Joe Burrow uh, given his track record against Mahomes, he I believe he's three and zero at this point. He has the potential to go, you know, four and zero against Mahomes. He's already won an Arrowhead, won in the AFC Championship game last year. Um, I think Joe Mixon's going to potentially have a decent day receiving the football out of the backfield because the Chiefs' defense gives up the most receiving yards to running backs in the NFL. So give me the give me the Bengals. And one of my best bets, it's not on the spread. I took the Bengals on the money line. I jumped on it early and I got it at you know even money at plus one hundred. So give me the Bengals to win this game outright and go back to the uh, the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. Let's go. That's what I like to hear. Joe Burrow, our savior. The guy that's going to save us from Brittany Matthews and Patrick Mahomes' douchey brother. There we go. Let's go, Joe Burrow. So here's the thing, Puma. It's very simple. And I don't I don't understand how defensive coordinators haven't figured this out yet. But you've got to take away Travis Kelsey. How many times do we say this? And how many times do we watch these Chiefs games and Travis Kelsey is running wide ass open down the field? Like I don't understand how this is like this is something that people don't don't talk about. Like maybe is, is he so great that he he's unguardable? I mean, I don't think that's possible. Like I think any any single player in the NFL can be guarded. I'm just sick and tired of seeing Travis Kelsey running wide open. So the Bengals got to go in and do this. Obviously, by all accounts, Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be limited. He's probably going to have to throw from the pocket. Now, when you throw from the pocket and you and your back leg is compromised and you can't drive off of it, it's going to be hard to push the ball down the field and outside the numbers. So you flood the zones. You basically take away anything easy, you know, anything cheap and near the line of scrimmage, and you force the ball out of the hash marks and deep down the sideline. I mean, that's basically the game plan, right? Like, he's not going to move. He's going to beat you from the pocket if he's going to beat you. And you just hope that you put enough pressure with your offense, with Joe Burrow getting a 14-point lead again. Like, the way they came out against the Bills, you know, drive one seven points, drive two, 14-0 at that point, the game's over. If you can apply that kind of pressure early on to the Chiefs, I think it could get away. Like, it could get away from the Chiefs. Like, this could be a little bit of a blowout with all things considered. 
Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely believe that. And, and Jay, to your point about making him be a pocket passer, like, you know, in his mind, he already knows, right? And I, I don't, I, psychologically, Mahomes is, is a great, he's a great guy, great athlete, you know, mental toughness. I haven't seen him, you know, kind of wilt under anything type of deal. You know what I'm saying? But when well, you have a comp- Fair enough. But like, Throughout the course of his career, that was like the one that, that was like the one blip. But like my bigger point is is now you you you're able you, previously you're able to make plays and move the chains because you know everyone would play zone and give you like the the ten yards in front of you to move the chains and you know he's surprisingly fast considering his build. But now if he's going to be in the pocket and that pass rush can get home from time to time, you're going to have bodies flopping around his legs like. How confident do you think he's really going to want to be in that pocket with, you know, masses of humanity coming around? Like, you think he's going to, you know, just take a dive and try to live to fight another day? And now it's, you know, second and long, third and long, you know, you know, now you're playing the field position game against a pretty decent defense in the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, I'm looking forward to that battle in the trenches. And on the other side of the coin... I was completely wrong about my take on the the mm-hmm. Bills Bengals game last week because I thought that offensive line for the Bengals were going to get manhandled because they lost, you know, Jonah Williams, he didn't play last week because of the knee. I'm not sure if he's going to play this week. Uh, I definitely know he's going to give it a go, but they only had three of their starters on that offensive line. Everybody else was replacements and they handed the Buffalo Bills pass rush their hat. Like, mm-hmm. they handled their business. They gave Joe Burrow time in the pocket, and I think they could do the same against Frank Clark and, and Chris Jones, and I know they're going to try to move Chris Jones from the interior of the line to the end because we saw that last week against Jacksonville, and it worked from time to time. But I think this offensive line for the Bengals is going to be able to pick it up, and I, I think they're going to give the Chiefs' defensive line a, a run for their money. So that's the matchup that I'm most intrigued about. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now, how do you see this matchup going in regards to Jamar Chase? Like that—that's the one thing I think the the Bengals have a clear and concise, um, you know, advantage over the the Chiefs' defense. Like I think the secondary is going to have massive issues trying to, you know, guard Jamar Chase, uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd. Like, like low key, the Chiefs have a really, really good. Um, weapons uh, around Joe Burrow, and I was thinking to myself, this is this is the first time we can say, you know, we always would say Chiefs have Tyree Kill and and Travis Kelsey. Well, this time around, I think it's flipped. The Bengals have the better offensive weapons. So, how do you see the defense for the Chiefs kind of stacking up against the the Bengals uh, wide receiver core? I mean, I think Fuller is going to need help if he's going to be on Jamar Chase. I mm-hmm. think it's going to be the inverse of what we you know we've always said, you know, when people were playing the Chiefs, and that's you know you bracket. You know, you bracket Tyreek Hill, and then you you know you make Mahomes try to you know pick you apart or beat you with the secondary pieces, which I know is a lot easier you know said than done. But when you have Travis Kelsey, it helps out a lot. But Travis Kelsey's the big big dog now, so uh, I think if if they're able to bracket you know Jamar Chase, they'll have a puncher's chance. But you know T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, like you know those are those aren't slouches. Like they're they're right up there in like the you know the top tier of you know, complimentary pieces at the wide receiver position in the NFL. And and Hayden Hurst, you know, kind of had like an undertaker moment. Like he, he kind of popped out of the casket a little bit <laughs> in that Bills game. And is, and is uh, you know, a good a good safety outlet. Like to, to just move the chains, like Hayden Hurst is definitely the guy. And, you know, what's to stop them from putting like Samaj P. Ryan out there? Because mm-hmm. he handled the, the workload when, you know, Joe Mixon was out for an extended period of time. He can catch the ball out of the backfield like – why not line him up wide in a couple of formations here or there and really give, you know, Steve Spagnolo something to think about instead of trying to, you know, come up with dynamic blitzes the whole time. So I think it's going to come down to how are they going to handle the secondary pieces compared to Jamar Chase? Because I think they're just going to try to bracket him the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. This is going to be so good. This is going to be just, oof, chef's kiss, man. Such a good game, man. Um, and, and Joe Burrow, like, I mean, what more, is, what more What more? do we need to say about the guy? The guy is just so damn good. And and I'm watching that game against the Bills, Puma, and, and I know we throw this out there a lot, but he does remind me of Tom Brady. Like, young Tom Brady coming out, first drive, surgical, right down the field. Like, watching that game against the Bills, you can tell Joe Burrow was processing at a different level than Josh Allen was. Because Josh Allen seems to be that type of quarterback that, 
has an idea of what might happen pre-snap to post-snap, and he kind of makes up along the way. He kind of looks a little lost sometimes back there in the pocket. The, the thing about Joe Burrow is that he knows pre-snap what's going to happen. Like, he's so decisive with the ball. And when you're that decisive, that comes strictly down to film study and how well you know post to, post to pre-snap uh, recognition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My other takeaway from that that game uh, with the the Bengals and Bills was when you look at the quarterbacks in the AFC East, like you know, I think going into the season it was you know it was Mahomes and then it was Allen and then you know you'd have Burrow in the top five type of deal. I, I think coming out of that game and regardless of result like of this, mm-hmm. and clearly I have the Bengals winning, it's still going to be Mahomes one. And then I have Burrow too, mm-hmm. and Jay. Like I hate to say this, like unless I see a massive turnaround for the Bills next season, I think there's a decent gap between Burrow Absolutely. and Allen. Mm-hmm. Like it's not mm-hmm. like it's not close. Like it's like they're pulling away a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I know we're gonna get to the autopsy of the Bills later on, so this is a little bit of a tease. But uh, that's how I see the AFC quarterback market shaping up. Is Allen's kind of falling behind the post. Yeah, and it comes down to, we'll talk about this more, like the the processing that Josh Allen and Joe Burrow does, you can just see it. You can see one guy is one, two, three, back foot hits, balls out. Another guy goes one, two, three, uh, four, uh, pat the ball, uh, roll out right. Oh, there's a big bomb. That's awesome. But the bomb is not there all the time. Like if that bomb comes once or twice a, a game, most of the time he's scrambling or throwing balls that he shouldn't be throwing and fumbling and everything. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, I would love nothing more than Josh Allen to be that next guy. We love the kid. We both have become fans of him. But it's just, it's just hard to defend him with some of the stuff that he does nowadays. Mm-hmm. So we'll mm-hmm. talk about that. Let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles uh, playing each other in the NFC Championship game. The story of Brock Purdy continues, Puma. Like, this, I feel like, isn't getting enough love. It's just kind of like mellow there in the background. But imagine if Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl. Like, what kind of Cinderella story is that? Like, the guy's going to get, like, a book deal, uh, a Disney movie made out of him, Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, quite the Cinderella story. So... You know, is that Cinderella story going to unfold, Puma, or are the Eagles going to stomp that out? I hate to be the wet mop, Jay. Same here. (laughs) I think the clock is going to strike midnight. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Brock Purdy's been a fantastic story. Mm -hmm. And if he wins the Super Bowl, you know, that's, you know, I'm not taking any, hear me out, Jay. I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady. But the fact that he was literally Mr. Irrelevant to winning a Super Bowl like that, that is friggin' incredible. But I'm thinking the clock strikes midnight, and I think the Eagles are gonna roll in this game. Uh, the spreads, minus, you know, Eagles minus two and a half. It's juiced a little bit to minus one fifteen. You know, maybe this gets to three. If it gets to three, I might look at the 49ers on the spread. The money line is Eagles minus one forty five. Uh, but give me the birds. They're at home. They're at the link. And I know Brock Purdy played in Seattle, uh, you know, on Thursday night. It was his first real road test, you know, air quote road test uh, in the NFL with the 12s. But, I mean, we can all agree the the link, you know, Lincoln Financial Field is literally like the madhouse. Like the, the, there's no there's no the environment like it. Like the batteries are coming, they threw snowballs at, at Santa Claus. Like they don't care. <laughs> like I mean, Jay. Like before it was Lincoln Financial Field and it was vet, you know, Veteran Stadium. They had a jail yep. cell in the, the vet. Cell. Like wow. this is this is you know this is the madhouse uh, you know on on Broad Street type of deal. But you know the Eagles the Eagles are hitting on all cylinders mm-hmm. here. Uh, you know, and I think honestly, if Jalen Hurts didn't get hurt, he would be the slam dunk MVP. Um, I think he still has a puncher's chance, but personally, I don't think he's going to win the award. I think somehow it'll go to uh, Mahomes or, or whoever, but uh, or, or even uh, or even Joe Burrow for that being said, because it's the hottest team in the NFL right now. But with all that being said, I you know I just like the weapons a little bit more for the Eagles. I think they're going to be able to pass the ball on the San Francisco uh, 49ers defense. You know, they you're not going to see this in the box score last week because of how bad Dak was, and we're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. But, 
you know, if Dak was a little bit more accurate in that game against the 49ers, it might be a little bit of a different result. Like he was missing people. He threw two interceptions, uh, but the 49ers will give up yards to the receivers. Personally, I think we're in line for a get right game for AJ Brown. I think this is going to be the Devonta Smith game. He's kind of been the number one wide receiver down the stretch for this team. Um, I think, you know, Dallas Goddard might be a little bit limited in his production just because the 49ers are good against the tight end with their defensive schemes. And the other thing too, Jay, is Kyle Shanahan is probably one of the best offensive minds the NFL has ever seen. I am nobody's disputing that. I am not taking anything away from Kyle Shanahan. However, going back all the way to his Atlanta Falcons days, and we saw it in the NFC Championship game last year, and we've seen it in in the in the Super Bowl when they played the Chiefs a couple of years ago. Kyle Shanahan has a tendency to play a little bit too tight and a little bit too conservative down the stretch. And that has always kind of snake bit them in the end. And I get it. Mr. Glass, AKA Jimmy Garoppolo is not under center. Uh, Brock Purdy is, but with that being said, it's Purdy, the, you know, Mr. Irrelevant rookie, you know, on the road against the link. Like if they have a lead, maybe he starts playing super conservative he makes a mistake with the football, the Eagles capitalize, and then all that momentum swings back to the Philadelphia side and the, the, the train might get out of control at that point. But give me the Eagles. I'm laying the two and a half as one of my best bets of the week. Yeah, and I'm right there with you, man. I think the Eagles are going to win. And the Eagles are just a machine, man. Simply put, like, defense, offense, special teams, they just, every single, like, part of that team is just a machine. They, they're, they're clicking on all cylinders. They're well-oiled. And I think it's going to be a hard, hard ask to ask Brock Purdy going into uh, the link and beat the, this Eagles team. Now, when I was looking at this game, I was thinking, well, how how do I see the 49ers winning this game? Like, can they, you know, would they would they win an ugly game? Would they win in a shootout? And, I, and, and any way I slice it, I just don't see them being the Eagles. Like, I really don't. Whether it's whether it's an ugly game or a shootout, I just think the Eagles are, Ill, are better equipped to, to beat them. Now, on the 49ers side... Like, they should have lost that game. I'm not going to lie to you. The, the game they played against the No, the no Cowboys, doubt they should have lost. If it wasn't for Dak Prescott being Dak Prescott and throwing two interceptions, like, they should have lost that game. It was probably one of their less... Uh, it was probably one of their wor- better, worst performances in, in the past, like, eight, nine, eight, nine games, right? So, I, I just think that... The top to bottom, the Eagles are a better team. I think it's a great story with Brock Purdy. Um, but this is, like you said, the clock's going to strike midnight, man. Yeah, I mean, we saw this, you know, against the, the, the Cowboys. Like, that pass rush was getting home. And I, and I understand Trent Williams is, a, is an absolute beast. You know, he handled the pass rush from Micah Parsons, you know, perfectly. But when they moved Parsons to the other side of the line, I mean, he pulled out a vintage Reggie White, you know, bull rush move and yeah, had McGilchey on his ass. And, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this defensive line for the Eagles shapes up because they I believe they are the top defense in sack rate in the NFL right now. And one of the 49ers uh, players, I believe it's in, in when you he was just pinched for a you know a misdemeanor domestic assault oh, really or uh you know today uh so i think it was early in the morning i think tmz broke the story so like i understand it's the nfl like they're probably not gonna discipline him right away because it's an open case but like his status is possibly questionable for this game and he had two sacks against you know dak prescott i think this offensive line for the eagles is going to be able to withstand the Boses and the uh you know the uh the armsteads of the world uh but uh, just give, give me the birds and I, I know it's it's painful to watch nick sirianni from time to time <laughs> in his reactions on tv but i just i i think this is going to be uh, i think the eagles are clearly the, the the better team in my opinion yeah absolutely same here do you see this being a close game a blowout a high scoring low scoring what's give me a general uh final score for this game like I think, man, I, I, I kind of feel like I the Eagles might blowout. cruise. Yeah, I think it might be a blowout. I, I think dude. it's going to be like, yeah. but maybe, but like 14 points. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm thinking it's that's it. I mean, and, up to 14.2, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I'll, t- I'll take the L for my call in the last week against the Giants. I thought the Giants were going to have a better performance. I thought they were going to run the ball with Saquon Barkley. And they just, I mean, the, the Eagles Puma. made them look Puma. inept. 
what are you doing, man? It ebbed. Did, did my brother? I know. Did my so, brother's brainwashing finally help out? Like, what, what are you doing, bro? Come on, you you knew uh, they're gonna know, take away the run attack and they're gonna force Danny Penny's throw from the pocket. Like, you knew that was gonna happen. Well, I was expecting more production from Danny Jones, Daniel oh, Jones yeah. on, on the Dude, ground what, too. What, what's happening with this Daniel his Jones? Con- thing? When his contact, when his contact fell out. That just, you know, that encapsulated the whole game. When the contact fell out, I'm like, I'm I'm about to find something else on TV because this is going to get real ugly real fast. The only reason why I kept watching was because I had money on the game. I had the, you know, I bet live the under of the, of the football game. And then I had Boston Scott anytime touchdown. Once that happened, I literally found, I, I, I put on SWAT, you know, the movie, not uh-huh. the TV show. You know, you know, on demand because there was just nothing else to watch. I started watching. It was an, just an absolute. I started fire. watching Enemy of the State with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. That's a great movie. <laughs> but you know, I, I kept saying it in the group chat, Jay, and anyone that's watched A Few Good Men, the 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 only movie line that could sum up the Giants in in that game was, you know, <laughs> you know the uh, he was the substandard Marine. Like that was it. Like yeah. that was it. That summed up the whole thing. So. Yeah. That's funny. All right, man. Let's move on to some serious stuff, okay? The yep. Buffalo Bills flamed out once again in the playoffs. It hurts for me to say this, Puma. We're somewhat both Buffalo Bills fans now. We both thought the Bills were going to beat the Bengals and go to the AFC Championship game and probably beat the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl. But once again, they've uh, they've fallen short. And I think this game was somewhat embarrassing for the Bills, Puma. Like, when, when the game kicked off, and before most of us even sat down, it's 14-0, and they were lifeless, and you you termed the, the phase quiet quitting. Like, I, I'm, just, I'm just embarrassed for this team. And, and I don't know where the blame lies. I mean, like, it's not one single thing I can point to and say, hey, man, this is where it was shortcoming, right? The Josh Allen threw four picks, or you know the running attack didn't show up, or the defense didn't didn't show up. It was everything. I feel like everything top to bottom just wasn't up to standard. So Puma, I mean, we're not gonna look back, but let's look forward. Like, what what do you think needs to be corrected for this Bills team? to find its way into the Super Bowl because I'm not saying the window is closing because anytime you have a young quarterback like Josh Allen, you know, that's um that's the window's always gonna be there. But I, I do think there's some decisions that are gonna be need to made next year on this roster and like they need to maximize this core group of players on on the team right now. Well we're gonna start off at the coaching's position. Mm-hmm. I don't think Sean McDermott is, you know, in danger of losing his job this offseason. I think if they have another, you know, let's let's be honest. This season was an abject failure in everybody's mind because they were the heavy favorites to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. In some sports books, they were the highest draw for like tickets uh, for you know betting tickets. I I think almost near twenty percent of the t- of the tickets were on the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. Um, so this was an abject failure in everybody's minds. Uh, they they signed Von Miller to put them over the hump on the defensive side of the football to to beat Patrick Mahomes. He goes down. The defense, all intents and purposes, starts to wilt. When something like that happens, in my mind, Jay, that's where the coaching staff steps up. And like I said, I don't think Sean McDermott is in danger of losing his job this offseason. But I do think Sean McDermott is going to have to have the tough conversation with himself of, is Leslie Frazier the guy to continue on the defensive side of the football? Because we talk about this offline. It has been two years in a row where this defense in key moments and, you know, in this case, down the stretch this season and in the playoffs where they've wilted and they kind of cracked under the pressure. And after watching that Bengals game where they just looked completely inept, uh, you know, Hayden Hurst had no business being wide ass open on a lot of the things. Um, you know, Jamar Chase should have, I understand it's Jamar Chase, but I, I figured there'd be more of a defensive effort in trying to limit the Jamar Chase experience in Buffalo. And, you know, you figured it's snowing up there. It's going to be in their favor. And that defense just looked lost. And when they finally started clicking all on all cylinders, the offense started to, you know, bog them down and they, they weren't able to recover. But, you know, the, the Bills down the stretch, they weren't a playmaking defense as much. They probably should have lost to the Dolphins and their third-string quarterback two weeks ago. Uh, and I love Leslie Frazier. What he's done in his tenure at the Buffalo Bills as a defensive coordinator has been great. 
Uh, but I think it might be time for maybe a new voice in that locker room for the Has defensive great, side though? of the football. Has it been great, though? Because I keep hearing this. I, mean, I keep hearing this. I mean, I, Go ahead. You know, taking, a, you know, removing the 13 seconds, and that's all everyone's going to remember, and rightfully so, because they, they should have, if they, in my opinion, they beat the Chiefs and they go to the Super Bowl, I think they win that Super Bowl regardless. But, you know, the 13 seconds, that's going to be in everybody's minds for, the, you know, the rest of the time. But that defense has been top five, top ten in, in scoring and generating turnovers and, and getting pressure, even without Von Miller, you know, prior to Von Miller getting there. Um, Matt Milano is an all-world linebacker. Tredavious White's probably one of the best cornerbacks the NFL's seen in probably the last 25 years. Uh, and Jordan Poyer is, pro- is one of the better safeties in the NFL. So they had all these dynamic playmakers, but it was in key moments this defense has started to wilt, a la the 13 seconds, well, a la last week. I mean, it's, And I, hell, I, like they, there was no business they should have lost to the Jets. Even with Josh Allen getting hurt, so like you have well, moments like that where that happens. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna vehemently disagree on the Leslie Frazier thing because I keep hearing this over and over again, and it's starting to bug me a little bit. Because I get 13 seconds, bro, but how about the play before that? How about the 75 yard touchdown run that Tyree Kill had? How about the whole game mm-hmm. where the the Chief, the the Bills defense put up absolutely no fight up against that Chiefs offense last year, and then this year again in the biggest like moment possible they put up no fight against Joe Burrow. I, I believe this defense gets away by by beating up on the crappier teams, and the second they play a a good offense and a good uh, good quarterback, I think it gets carved up, and that is not. What Leslie Frazier, that, that that is not the the building that Leslie Frazier has been like built up to. Like everybody pretends like he's this great offensive coordinator. I just don't see it, truthfully, man. Like especially with how badly they've looked in the in the playoffs. Now the other part of this is, I would also consider looking at how the offensive coordinator is calling plays and the flow of the offense. Now I'm not saying it's too early to fire uh, Ken Dorsey, but I would really start considering. Ken Dorsey's philosophy and I would maybe help him out with something maybe bring in somebody else to help him out because I think this team is just way too Josh centric and maybe that's a doing of Josh himself where he likes to put the Superman cape on and do what he's got to do on on a weekly basis but I I think it's it's got to be an indictment watching the Chiefs lose Patrick Mahomes watching Chad Henney go on a 98 yard touchdown a drive and basically the Chiefs offense didn't miss a beat and in no way can I see the Bills doing that I I think no way if Josh Allen goes down for anything they're going to be able to basically fill in a, a backup and pick up right where Mahomes left off I think the, the the best way that you can surmise this is the Chiefs you can really find out uh, the quality and the depth and the foundation of a team when your backup quarterback has to play and you saw that on full display with Chad Henney with the with the with the Bills, it's the complete opposite. Like I feel like the second Josh Allen got hurt in the middle of the year, everything started tanking. So I think it's I think fundamentally there's a lot more going on here than just Leslie Frazier. I think the offensive coordinator needs to be looked at. Maybe not not taking his job title away, but definitely helping him out. And then you gotta look at not Brandon Bean, but how how they're helping Josh. So I guess maybe it's Brandon Bean, but how are you helping Josh? How are you How are you not still able to surmise a, a running attack? I mean, how, I don't know. There, there's more than just like one or two issues that are just kind of bubbling underneath the, the water here. And I think next year, if there's another loss, I think it's going to be a full-blown meltdown in Buffalo. Well, I'm glad you led to the running back situation, Jay, because here's my thought. Why not go after Saquon Barkley in free agency? Mm-hmm. Because they were players to get Christian McCaffrey. And I think they were legit players to get Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers. But, you know, the, the 11th hour, I think the 49ers trumped them. And and Brandon Bean wasn't willing to, to pay the, the premium to get Christian McCaffrey. But, you know, Saquon's already come out and said, you know, he he wants to. He, he doesn't close the door on returning to the New York Giants. But he's not going to take a hometown discount even though he's been her and X, Y, Z. But I think if the Buffalo Bills come in there and are able to, you know, have him be the top running back, paid running back in the NFL or pretty close to, or essentially make Christian McCaffrey type of money on an annual, you know, annual basis, which I think is about like 16 million. I don't think Joe Shane is going to go to that point and then try to figure out what he's going to do with Daniel Jones. And I don't really know if he's going to just keep tagging Saquon Barkley um, but if, if Brandon Bean is willing to, you know, kind of lace up his boots and go after Saquon Barkley in free agency, I think that would be 
a, a big factor in possibly unlocking this offense a little bit, or not unlocking it, but taking the heat off of Josh Allen, where you have an established running back who has had a resurgent year this season is going to help him get paid. Um, and I know Stephon, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley has had his own little injury peccadillos with the ACL knee injury uh, two seasons ago. But I mean, you know, James Cook has shown flashes. The coaching staff clearly, for some reason, does not trust him enough to just give him the rock, even though they took him in the second round. Devin Singletary, he's been there for a couple of seasons now. They, for some reason, they don't make, they haven't established him to be the guy. And he shows bursts of having, you know, uh, you know, life in that backfield. But I, I think if you, you're able to get a thumper, you know, a little bit like Saquon Barkley, you know, who also can catch it out the backfield and be a dynamic playmaker and is a home run threat anytime he touches the football. I think that's going to take a lot of the heat off of Josh Allen. I think it's going to make this offense a little bit more balanced. Now, the key is, is what are they going to do with the salary cap? Because as it stands right now, they're almost $16 million over the cap. So Josh Allen's going to have to restructure his contract. Um, I think you can say goodbye to the Isaiah McKenzie experiment. Where everybody was hopeful he was going to have a breakout year this year. I think if you cut him, it's only a $2 million cap hit. And quite frankly, um, Khalil Shakir essentially took over that job down the stretch as a slot receiver. Um, you know, Mitch Morris, you know, you, you can save $2 million off the cap by cutting him, which is going to suck because he's been kind of the, the, the resurgent guy on that offensive line when the Bills were starting to make that jump into the upper echelon of the NFL uh, rankings. You know, he really anchored that offensive line, but he's got a couple of concussions this season. It's a you know, $2 million cap hit if you cut them, but they're going to have to get dynamic with the salary cap. And I think if they're able to do that, work the numbers right, maybe massage some things, I think they could be a player in the Saquon Barkley market. That would be absolutely insane. That would, that would be nice nice to see how that would pan out. Okay, let's move on to some uh, some other uh, not, uh, underperforming teams. We've got the Dallas Cowboys, Puma. Coming off of another loss, uh, how many years has it been now they haven't won Super Bowl? What, 30-something years? Uh, as long as I've been alive. I mean, God, <laughs> I'm, I'm 34, so it's pretty close <laughs> to that. Um, you know, a lot's coming out the last couple of days about, you know, the, the, the Cowboys and their lackluster performance. And, you know, they lost on the road uh, to the San Francisco 49ers. 19-12 was the final score. And, and we said this earlier, like, from every measure, I think the Cowboys were a better football team that day. They played better, except for the quarterback position. The the quarterback right. possession, led by Dak Prescott, end of the day with 23 of 37, 206 yards, one touchdown, and two back-breaking picks. Those two interceptions were bases of the game. And it's kind of sad that Brock Purdy outplayed him, in a sense. So, Puma, there's a lot of... A lot of like buzz around uh, Dak Prescott the last couple of days. Do you think he's the guy? Do you think they should move on? I mean, there's there's some moments that they'll maybe draft a quarterback in this uh, in this year's draft. I mean, where are the where are the Cowboys picking this year? I mean, they're going to be the end of, towards the end of the first round because they made the playoffs. Yeah, so you're you're looking at what like twenty seven, twenty six, something, twenty six. Yeah. I mean, is any quarterback really going to fall that far? You know what I mean? Like, I, I you you could speak more to the quarterback class. Than, than me because you know you live and breathe like the college football stuff uh, so I'll defer that to you I think just you know because it's Jerry Jones and it's spite and especially like you know we uh you know Dak is Dak is our guy and essentially like I paid him the bag you know because I paid the wrong person first and you know I had to bring him back you know not on a franchise tag after he essentially broke his leg for me uh, I have to make Dak the guy. So I think Dak is going to be the guy by default because of the contract situation. I mean, we have Jerry Jones that wouldn't even get rid of Ezekiel Elliott because of the contract situation when clearly Tony Pollard is the better running back in that backfield for that offense. But Ezekiel Elliott somehow is taking carries away from Tony Pollard. And now you're going to have to live with Ezekiel Elliott, barring that, you know, uh, Jerry Jones comes to his senses and realizes that he is a, you know, essentially the best years are behind him type of situation, but there really isn't anyone else out there. And I don't think he's going to spend for Saquon Barkley and maybe he'll get Kareem Hunt in his place, but Zeke is the guy. I think they're going to have to live with Dak Prescott in that situation too, because of the contract. 
Um, I'm surprised I didn't see any, you know, yahoos on Dallas Fort Worth radio saying they should just get rid of Dak Prescott and go back with Cooper Rush and have him just game manage the football football games for 18 weeks essentially. But I think Dak's the guy. Um, I don't know how much of it. Clearly, the thumb, in my opinion, I think the thumb was part of it. I'm not gonna get, have that be the carte blanche excuse for everything that happened uh, leading up to this po- this postseason. I mean, we talked about it last week where I, I believe I said straight up, like, yeah, Dak had a great game. Was it Dak's thumb finally feeling better, or was it the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are just that god-awful? <laughs> yeah. I'm leaning more towards Tampa Bay being that god-awful, and we, we saw that to fruition against the 49ers. But long-winded answer, I think Dak, by default, because of the contract and Jerry Jones's pride, is going to be the guy. Well, let me ask this question in a different way then. Do you think contract aside, is he the guy? Like, skill-wise, is he the guy? Oh, skill-wise? The way I comp Dak Prescott right now is essentially the Kirk Cousins category. Like, he'll get you to the playoffs. He'll have flashes of brilliance. But when the games matter, or in Kirk Cousins' case, any game that's in primetime or 4 o'clock, when they essentially are island games, you're going to wilt like, you know, mm-hmm. like a flower that is not getting any water. And we, you know, I think that's, I think that's a fair comp. And unfortunately, Jay, I think that might be the ceiling for Dak Prescott is, is a, is a Kirk Cousins esque type of quarterback tier, which sucks. If it was, you know, if contract aside and, you mm-hmm. know, Hey, you, you, you can get like a, a decent college quarterback in the late, you know, the late twenties, uh, and have him sit, potentially sit for a year, uh, yeah, then maybe I, I could buy that. But it's just Jerry Jones's ego will not let him bench Dak Prescott. Which is sad because clearly we all can see by now we're in year, what, eight, nine of Dak Prescott's career? He's not the guy. And and I And I hate it more than anything when you know he's not the guy, but you still keep him for the dumbest reasons possible, whether it's, contract situation or he's still young or we still got to invest more time into him we put a first rounder into him to this day one of the best decisions i've seen an organization make is getting rid of josh rosen in year one the arizona cardinals saw how bad he was and they moved on and i'm not saying that dak prescott's that bad what i'm trying to say is these these teams fall in love with the player and then they won't move off of him like no matter how much new information they get like they're not able to move off of him and for me dak prescott like I, I think he's just an above-average quarterback. He, he's the he's a classic case of, you know, when everything is good around him and the running backs are growing great and Zeke is crushing it and Pollard's crushing it and CD's getting wide open and the protection's there, he's great. I mean, he, he's, he looks like he's a top-five quarterback, but the problem is that's very rarely the case in the NFL. I mean, that's 4 or 5% of the time is going to be everything's going to be perfect. So I think if Jerry truly wants to win another Super Bowl before he meets his maker... Uh, then I think he's going to have to consider his quarterback. And, and, and I think I think Dak is just, just not it, man. I, I think what they might have to do is the, 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 the drafting might not work out just because, A, they're really, you know, they're deep in the first round, so the best quarterbacks probably won't be there. They might have to start looking at other quarterbacks they can, like, swing a trade for. Like, I mean, like, we're going to talk about one here soon in Aaron Rodgers, but if I'm Jerry, man, shit. I'd rather have three years of of Aaron Rodgers than the Neg Prescott. At least, I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers had a step back this year, but at least Aaron Rodgers' the last couple of years was the MVP. We've never seen Dak play episode level of MVP standard two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Now, do you think there's going to be a premium that has to be paid? And I know we're going to get to the Rodgers thing, you know, in a moment. But like reports were, you know, the Packers want two first round picks. And they kind of seem hell bent on sending him to the AFC. Mm-hmm. Like, you think that's going to be an NFC tax? Like, especially if it's Jerry Jones, because like, think of it this way: not only are you going to have to give up draft capital to get Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have to find a new head coach because there's no way on God's green earth he is going to play for Mike McCarthy uh-huh. again. Mm-hmm. And well, the if- only logical person Sean is Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. But like. Now, how much? How many assets are you going to have to give? Like, are you going to have any first round draft picks in the next like five years at that point? 
It was worked out for the Rams, didn't it? <laughs> right. I mean, up I until mean, this season, I mean, well, granted, they got the championship. Puma, so like, they went to two Super Bowls. It's a fact, though. Mission accomplished. They went to two Super Bowls in four years and won one. Like, I think, I think Jerry Jones would happily sign up for that deal. Like, fair enough. Here, here's the thing about the NFC, man. Like. I don't understand this. I really don't. Like, why are you, like, mad about where he's going? Just get the best deal possible. Like, okay, let, let's say you trade him to the worst spot possible in the Chicago Bears, okay? In your in your rival, in your division. Okay, he'll torment you for two years. Then he'll go away. Okay, I'll take those I'll take those two first-round picks for the next 20 years where I'll turn them into. I don't care. Same thing with uh, with Brett Favre when he got traded and went back to Minnesota. It was one year he beat up on the on the Packers and they were fine with Aaron Rodgers and they moved on. They will move on eventually. It'll be fine. Just trade him to the best possible um, best possible spot. Mm-hmm. So we're already on the Aaron Rodgers no, train. Might as well, we're already on the Aaron Rodgers train. Might as well talk about where we think he's going to end up at. Like, I mean, do you think he? I know you said the uh, the NFC tax is going to come to play. So do you think the Jets are somebody that's going to be poking around oh, yeah. there? I think it's going to be the Jets. I think Woody Johnson is just over. You know this this uh, failed quarterback experiment. Pretty much ever since he uh, he left to be, I believe he was the ambassador to the United Kingdom under you know when Trump was in in the White House. And his brother was running shop, and that's when you know they spent like drunken sailors, and it kind of it blew up in their face to a certain extent. But I think I think it's gonna it's gonna be the AFC. Um, you know, if you look, one of the handicappers for Sportsline, uh, great product by the way, uh, Matt Severance. He he's ranked out some of the uh, you know the odds right now in his own handicapping. The Jets are at even money. The Titans would be at plus three hundred. New England plus seven hundred. The Colts, is <laughs> yeah, best luck one, that. The Colts, one of the dark horses at plus nine hundred, and then the Raiders at plus a thousand. Um, I think, honestly, it's. I think it, it's going to be Jets or bust. Maybe you know Jim Ursay comes in at the eleventh hour and says, "To hell with it! I will mortgage all of my draft picks to get you know Aaron Rodgers in the building." Uh, and hey, you know the the Colts have a penchant of doing that of just trying of just trading for veteran quarterbacks and, and seeing if that'll be the answer to their prayers. Uh, but can you imagine Aaron Rodgers and Jeff Saturday? Like that would be must see TV on the sidelines, but I think it's going to be the jets. I think Woody Johnson is going to part ways with, with uh, the two first round draft picks and they're going to try to win within that two year window um, and go from there. And, you know, it, it's, it's fun to look at the jets offense in a certain extent with Aaron Rodgers under there, because there are playmakers like, you know, you have Brees Hall, who's going to be coming off of a knee injury. So I'm, I'm kind of downgrading him for next year just because you see, normally it's not until year two post-knee surgery where you start to see the burst come back. But you have Garrett Wilson at the wide receiver position. You have Elijah Moore at the wide receiver position. Uh, you know, Michael Carter at the running back position who who filled in, filled in great. Zonovan Knight. Uh, you have a quasi-elite defense like... You know, all Aaron Rodgers has to do is just be smart with the ball, get the ball to his playmakers, and, and the rest will kind of take care of itself. And let's be honest, Jay. I mean, another big takeaway from that Bills game is the AFC East is not like Bills and then the field. I think everybody at the and, you know going into next season may or may not have a puncher's chance to win that division because the Bills don't have a stranglehold on it. So if that's going to be your trump card is – Aaron Rodgers in this division, you know, I think if you're Woody Johnson, you you have to swing for the fences because you have no quarterback. Zach Wilson clearly is not the guy. Mike White is a great story. He is not the guy either. And then, like, the other quarterback free agents, uh, okay, so Tom Brady, if he wants to do, like, the spite thing and play Bill two times a year, sure. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, Daniel Jones, and now you're getting to the – Case Keenum's, Mason Rudolph's, Jacoby Brissett's, Geno Smith's of the world. Like, I think if you're Woody Johnson, you have to swing for the fences. You have to come up with an offer that simply the Green Bay Packers cannot refuse. And let's be honest, the Packers look like they're going to be in decent hands from the, the, the flash that we saw of Jordan Love when he filled in, uh, ironic enough, against the Eagles about uh, a month and a half, two months ago. Puma, Rodgers, the Patriots confirmed. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh no, man, could you imagine? Oh okay. Rogers and Bill Belichick <laughs> together in the same room. Rogers, Bill Belichick, and Billow the Clown. Oof. Oh yeah. Did last did last a practice and a half. <laughs> yep. If uh, that. Yeah. 
All right. Okay. Well, good discussion. Um, okay, boom. Do you got uh, do you got anything else you want to head on or you want to call it a day and wrap it up? I think that's pretty much it. I mean, really the, uh, the only, the, the, the only best bets I have, it's only oh, actually bets, it's yes. three. Uh, it is the Bengals money line. I got, I got it early. I got it at plus 100. So even money, if you go to the dra- if you go to your sports book now, you're not going to see them at even money. I think the Chiefs on uh, on DraftKings were plus one thirty five, which you know it's uh, actually no, I'm sorry, it's plus one ten for the Kansas City Chiefs, which you know it's Mahomes. It's actually not that bad of a number if if you want to kind of swing for the fences a little bit. Um, I got the Eagles laying two and a half, and then I have uh, Joe Mixon over receiving yards. I believe it was twenty three and a half. I think he's gonna easily hit that number against a Kansas City Chiefs defense that likes to give up uh, receiving yards to the running back position. Sounds good. Sounds good, man. Well, let's plug it up. Let's get out of this, uh, out of this podcast. All right. So this episode of the pod and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, or anywhere else you get your podcast at. On YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe button and also hit the little bell button and get the notifications. You know, as the captain of the ship, Jay Chima, is slicing and dicing the videos up, you know, you'll see some uh, videos in the feed that's going to be scheduled for release. Be sure to hit that bell button so you'll get the reminder of when this thing is ready to be viewed in your news feed throughout the week. Uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, sure to leave a five-star review. Google Podcasts, sure to leave a five-star review as well. Social media wise, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, the Twitter machine at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Be sure to hit us up on social media. The DMs are open on all platforms. Uh, we are more than happy to discuss anything. And, you know, hey, we, we got to enjoy this while we can because we only got three games left. So enjoy it while we can. Everybody hurts. Uh, that's basically me in the offseason. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy the games. Via con Dios.